As we'll two or three gather in his name, he will be here. And I have felt his presence. I have felt his strength because I can tell you my personal strength feels like it's about gone. Uh, but I feel the strength of the Lord this morning. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, a lot of things to pray about. I do want to just mention a couple things uh, here uh, this morning. Um, now it's doing it to me. See, I jinxed, I jinxed, I jinxed, I jinxed myself. I always tease Kevin, tell him this thing never makes the noise on me. It's always the noise on, it always makes it on him. And uh, so I bought him a separate one that works, apparently, better than the one I had. Uh, so uh, just a lot to pray about. Uh, Brother Robbie and Sister Pam are down in Virginia today celebrating the life of um, Michael, uh, Pam's son that passed away um, a few months ago. Uh, back in Memorial Day, I think it was, Memorial Day we got to call. So they're down there today, today with uh, what has been his birthday. And so they were celebrating his life today. So let's pray for them uh, as they do that. Um, we have a lot of folks. We have uh, actually the Jeannie and Greg are, uh, I think, left today for vacation. They stayed here yesterday to be here uh, for the memorial service. And so many people work so hard. And I'm sure some people are just wore out. I think some people are just like, I'm wore out today. And yesterday felt like a Sunday. Kevin said this, this is what Monday morning church would look like. Matt <laughs> hit it just, just about right. Um, yesterday was a very taxing day on so many. Continue to pray for Mary and her family. Um, you know, Brother Scott Truman was talking to me yesterday after the service. He's like, man, I've been praying for you guys. He said, because when you lose someone like Dave, it's like a gut punch. To the church, and uh, it certainly feels like we've been punching the gut. You may be wondering why all the stuff's still up here. Um, first off, yesterday was a long day, and I said, "Just leave it. We'll get it. We'll get it this week." The other thing is, is I kind of wanted to, I kind of wanted to continue, sorta from yesterday. Now, if you weren't here yesterday, you'll still be able to follow along what I'm getting ready to say. But um, I just kind of wanted to continue yesterday, and the reason I'm saying that is because. We see that in Paul's letters to the churches, in more than one church, he wrote expressing to them and helping them understand death of their loved ones, of those who were in Christ. Paul wanted to make sure in Thessalonians chapter 4, he says that, uh, well, the King James Version says, I would have you not ignorant, brethren. Um, ESV, I think, says, I would, have you not, I would not have you uninformed, um, which is what ignorant means, obviously. Uh, and so he wrote to them, he's like, I, I, I wouldn't want you to live without understanding what happens and understanding that this is not the end of the story. And so while we may have touched on that a little bit yesterday, Today, I, I want to comfort the church with the words that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church when he explained this so that we, so that we may be able to continue the work of the Lord, even though we will miss our brother deeply. We must understand that Brother Dave has finished his course, but we still have hours to go. So I want to share from God's word this morning uh, just for a few moments. Again, I apologize, my voice is kind of getting a little uh, weird, and I'm a little bit weary for the wear, but we'll do our best this morning. And uh, don't worry, I still can preach an hour or two with no problem. Uh, I can do that if, you know, I see all your faces. They're like, we'll all be asleep by then. Uh, so I want you to buy, turn your Bibles this morning with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, we'll stay there primarily. Uh, there's a few other references that I'll make, but mainly we're going to stay right here in 1 Corinthians 15 and kind of understand uh, a little bit of the chapter, but we're going to key in on specific, a few specific verses. And so I want to read this morning 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, uh, and then uh, we'll have prayer, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll give you what the Lord has given us, and then when we're done, we'll dismiss. There was part of me that thought about canceling church this morning, but I thought Dave would probably be upset with me over that. Dave would not want us to do a memorial service for him on Saturday and then not have church on Sunday. That's just, that's just not the way he rolled. Uh, and so I'm thankful for everyone who's here. Um, again, I, I do thank everybody 
who made yesterday happen. I'm going to tell you there were people running around here doing all kind of stuff. Even disinfecting the church afterwards. So di disinfecting the church made it sound like we had a bad a bunch of uh, dirty people here, doesn't it? Uh, did you see after that we had to go disinfect the church? You know, I mean, that just sounds awful. Uh, but, but it had to be done, right? Um, and so just so many people, all the cooking, I mean, just, uh, it just, everybody chipped in and did so much yesterday that I was just amazed, amazed at how all that came together and how many people it took to make all of it happen. Even had our young people, our young, listen, Dave would have been so proud, especially of the young people. You know he loved you. And you know how proud he would be that you were pitching in and helping and, and being such a part of serving the church's needs. And so uh, my heart's just kind of overwhelmed this morning, so you're going to have to forgive me a little bit. I, just, just miss him. I just miss him. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Would you stand to your feet, please? I made sure I changed hankies from yesterday. I got to now remember to bring my own. This is probably Brother Dave's anyway. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Therefore, my brethren, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, for everybody who's come out today. Uh, Lord, as we, uh, Lord, as we pray this morning, though, we, our hearts are heavy uh, for Sister Pam and Brother Robbie and celebrating Pam's uh, son Michael's life today. So, Lord, I just pray that you'll be with all of the family there. Lord, also Brother Will and Sister Shelley losing their brother, Adam. God, we ask you, Lord, to, to be with that family today as they grieve uh, Lord, and it was so unexpected, um, and so God, we just pray that you be with them. Lord, when you think about the Shiley family this morning, also, uh, Lord, uh, also losing Greg, and Lord, there's just so many people that have suffered loss, but Lord, we know that when we look at the scriptures, we know for those who know you, it's not the end. So God, we pray today, Lord, that you help us to deliver your word, and Father, that it would be all about you and not about us. God, we pray for your strength for your wisdom, and for your touch this morning. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Y'all can be seated. So this is the first letter we see Paul write to the Corinthian church. And this is the, the, the end of the chapter. And so anytime that you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself, why is it Thank you. I was waiting for somebody to get it, Brother Randy, from the loft. It's Brother Randy for the win, right? Anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, you have to stop and ask yourself what it's there for, right? Because if someone says therefore, it means they've said something else that's important, right? And so a lot of times we'll get in conversations with people and they'll be talking and all of a sudden you start zoning out and they'll be blah, blah, blah. And they'll say, uh, and therefore, and you're like, oh, I must have missed something. Because nothing I heard had anything to do with anything that I needed there for, right? And so Paul is writing, and, and he goes in all of chapter... Listen, I'm going to challenge you to read all of chapter 15. I'm not going to cover all of chapter 15 today. I'm going to touch on a few spots of it uh, just to kind of give you the, the, an, an understanding today. Um, but in verses 1 through 11, he talks about the resurrection of Christ, in verses 12 through 34, he talks about the resurrection of the dead. In verses 35 through 49, he speaks of the resurrection, uh, the resurrection body. What it's, you know, what's it going to be like? By the way, he doesn't explain what it's going to be like because we don't know, but he does explain that it will be different. It will be different. A glorified body is going to be much different than this body. We don't know how, but we know that it's going to be different because we know that this body cannot contain 
It cannot contain the, the, the Spirit of the Lord in that way. That uh, is, if, I don't know if you've, have you ever been in, like in a service where it was just, man, you just really just seemed like the Holy Spirit come down on you and just saturated you. And you're like, man, you feel like you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And then afterwards, you feel just absolutely drained, like you just can barely put one foot in front of the other. I know that I've experienced it several times in preaching where it just seemed like the Lord was just, man, he was just there with me. And man, I just, I, I, like, I, I just, I don't know, I just felt like I could just walk, just leave this earth and just walk with him on home, like Enoch did. But afterwards, I was just drained. This physical body can't really contain that. We know that in Jesus' glorified body, when he was on earth, we know that, that he was able to do things. We know that he was able to do normal things because he ate with the disciples, but he also, he appeared. He just appeared in the room when they were in the upper room. And so I, I don't know what it's going to be like, that glorified body. But I know it's going to be different. Because a lot of times when we start thinking about the resurrection uh, of the dead and all these things, we start to wonder, was like, well, well, how in the world is that going? I'm going back, come back and claim my body. What's that all about? And so we'll get into that a little bit today and just kind of uh, just understand. But we have to realize so often we think with our mortal minds, we think with our earthly minds and realize that there, you know, we have their earthly things, but realize that when we talk, talk about spiritual things, we have to start thinking about it in a spiritual way. And understand that God is able to do more than our minds can comprehend. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he could do more than I could ever think or ask. In other words, I can't dream up. I, there, my mind is, it, it just can't even, you know, I, I could never think of nothing that God could not do. Now, there are things that God can't do just in case you're asking. Because, you know, sometimes we get those things there, you know, can God create a rock so big that he can't pick it up, Right? You know what the answer to that is? God's not going to entertain your foolishness. Because there are things that God cannot do. Yes, we see that God can do anything, and we see that in the Scripture. So does that mean that the, that the, that the Scripture contradicts itself? No. We have to understand that God cannot do anything that is against His holy character. Therefore, I'll tell you something God cannot do. Lie. God cannot lie. God cannot steal. By the way, I, I, saw, I saw something yesterday, uh, or yesterday evening, um, finally sat down. Then I, I sat down, I was wore out, and uh, put my neck brace on to try to give my, my neck a rest. And you, your neck would need a rest, too, if you had to hold this big head up all the time. I mean, good grief. Um, I asked the doctor if he could give me anything. To, like, you know, I, I need like an Arnold Schwarzenegger neck to hold his head up. You know what I'm saying? He said that, that was not possible. But anyway... Um, so I was just flipping through, and I did look on social media, and I got a habit now of looking and just not saying anything. And uh, I came across something that was disturbing to me, but when I took it in light of who posted it, um, someone who does not believe in God, uh, it, you know, I took it for what it was worth. But it was a picture that was painted of Jesus overturning the tables in the temple. And the heading was this. You know, uh, it, it was, um, uh, trying to remember the word, uh, and it suddenly has escaped my mind. But it was talking about, um, you know, protest, not peaceful protest, but, yeah, that, you know, the whole tearing up stuff, right? Yeah, violent protest, right? It says, tell me, uh, is this not violent protest? And it was a picture of Jesus overturning the tables. Here's the problem with that. It was his house. I can overturn the tables in my house if people were doing something wrong. You come in my house and do something wrong? Yes, I'll tear the place up if I got to. I will run you out. The Bible says he had a cord and he, he overturned the tables and he ran out the money changers. Why? Because it was his house. That's why he did it. But that's the mind of the world today. The mind of the world wants to trip us up with these with goofy questions and things. And like, listen, you got to understand God's character. He's not going to do anything that's outside of his character. By the way, I do want to do a shameless plug as well. Is Wednesday nights. If you're missing it, you're missing it. 
Sometimes we get into tough topics. Sometimes we get into light topics. But the beauty is, is that we're able to talk together, share our views of the scriptures. And it's just a wonderful time uh, to be in his word. And so I do encourage you, if you're not with us on Zoom on Wednesday nights, to do that. But this resurrected body is going to be different. So let me get back to the message. And then in verses 50 to 58, it's, uh, the heading in your Bible probably says something like this. Mystery and victory. Right? Because that's what the verses 50 through 58 really kind of deal with. Right? It kind of addresses this. And these are the verses that we really want to clue in on today. And so when he says, therefore, we ask ourselves, what's ahead of this? Or what was before this? What preceded this verse? That we need to understand that when he says, therefore, therefore what? I see what you're saying, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, but based on what? Because there's something he said before this. And he says, since I've said this, therefore do this. A, I've said A, therefore do B. I've given you the condition, and now I've encouraged you to now act upon it. And so I want us to go back up and I want us to pick up verses 50 through 53. And we're going to walk through this text. Uh, and we're not going to hold you long, but we just want to walk through this text just for a few minutes. And it says this, I tell you this, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Now, you ever wonder, why, why does he call it a mystery? He's telling us what it is. So how is it a mystery if I know the answer, right? Well, the, the problem is, is there, are, well, not the problem, but the, the, the part of this is that the fact of how it's going to happen is mysterious because God tells us what's going to happen, but he doesn't tell us how it's going to happen. The Bible says when the last trumpet sounds, think about that. How are we all going to hear it? How does one blow a trumpet to where the whole earth hears it? I don't know. The Bible also says that every eye shall see him. I don't know how all that's going to work, but I do know that it's going to happen. And so some things are a mystery to us, but I want you to understand that what he's talking about here, he's kind of laying out an understanding that we have two things to look at here. We have this body that we have for a, a small period of time. But understand that this body cannot contain and cannot inherit the incorruptible. This body is, is corrupt. And it has to be changed. And so we all want to be saved, but we understand and we must realize today that, that, that when we call Jesus Lord, when we, when we confess him and we bow down and we repent and we call him Lord and we start following Jesus, understand this, that our salvation is not complete until we shed this body, stand before judgment, and receive a glorified body. Because we look at death, there is a death here that's on the earth, but then, listen, we understand that there is a second death. That death where the soul is delivered up to hell for eternity, which is the second death. And when he says, listen, the wages of sin are death, that's the death he's talking about. Death meaning that your soul will be void of life as we know it, and it will spend eternity in torture in hell. It will not inherit the beautiful heaven that God is creating for us. And so he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. And, and it's especially mysterious to those who don't know Jesus. You see, to the world, this seems like foolishness when we talk about this. How can the world looks at us and say, how can we have a celebration of someone we just lost? Isn't that the time of mourning? Yes, there is a time of mourning. But we also must understand when we truly understand the scriptures and realize that death is part of the process that we must endure to inherit the, the, the heaven and the eternal life that God has granted for us. I've got to get rid of this body. And so we see it as a celebration because now, Brother David, is no longer walking uh, by faith, but now he is walking by sight. Amen. And so have all the other loved ones in Christ that we miss. My mom, Chris's dad, I can think of so many that have already gone on before and now they are no longer believing in faith. They now are able to see that which they once trusted through the word of God. This is mysterious to the world because they don't get it. They don't understand it. A lot of people say, well, you know, a lot of people think just good people go to heaven. But the thing is, is that's not the way it works at all. My dad says this. 
says, I believe there are a lot of good people in hell and a lot of bad people in heaven. Think about it. The thief was on the cross. He confessed Jesus as the true son of God and Jesus said, today you'll be with me. That man was convicted and was executed through crucifixion because he deserved it. And still yet, Jesus said, today you'll be with me. Not about being good. And the problem is, is the world thinks this, but they really don't believe it and they're really not sure. And so when we claim to actually know, they see this as either weird or mysterious. So Paul said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Brother Dave could not inherit heaven and his eternal life and be in God's presence with the old body that he had. He had to take off that body. That had to be gone and that had to be shed off so that he could put on the new body. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying here. He says, listen, we're all going to inherit, we're all going to be inherit this, this glorified state with this new body because we cannot inherit heaven and we cannot go be with him when we are still wearing this corrupt version. And so when we, when we lose loved ones in death, yes, we grieve. We grieve because we miss them and we want them in our presence. But we know that the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, this is talking about when Jesus comes back. Now, there are a lot of books out here that talk about what happens when in the timeline. I know that when we leave here, we'll be with the Lord. But I know that when he comes back, it says here that when that last trumpet sounds, the dead was going to be raised and they're going to be changed. And we also likewise be changed. Who is it we is he talking about here? He's saying, listen, when Jesus comes back, Whenever that is. By the way, they were looking for Jesus to come back right after he left. You realize that, right? Because they even questioned Peter. Peter, I thought Jesus said he was coming back. And that's when Peter uttered the words, right? God is not slack according to his promise, but he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. You know what Peter was saying? Like, He's coming back when it's the right time. He's, gonna, he's not slack according to his promise, but he is long-suffering. He's given us time. And sooner or later, that time will be up. And there will be those who are dead in Christ, in other words, those who have gone on before us. And then there will be obviously people that are alive. But he said either way. You see this? Either way whether it's raising the dead and, and getting your glorified body or whether you're here, you'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. You, either way, we've got to get rid of this flesh. It's got to go. And when we understand that, then we look at death different. I heard a guy say one time that death is not a stranger, it's just an unwelcome guest. Now listen, I'm not saying that uh, you're making it sound like, give me death, let me go now. No, that's not what I'm saying. But as Paul says to, you know, to, to die is gain, but, but to live is Christ. In other words, we have a job to do, we have a role to do, and we must do that. We must carry on and do the work that God has given us and live out the purpose that he's given us. But we also must understand that this is not the end of the story for our loved ones. While our hearts may mourn because we miss our brother, we must understand that, listen, he's rejoicing now. And you know what he'll tell you to do is, you know what, keep on keeping on. Keep on living for him and live out your purpose. Why? Because I had to get rid of my old body to be able to get to glorify when you're going to have to do the same. I have run my race and now you continue yours until you get to come home. That's what he would say. He says here that this trumpet is going to sound. Everybody's going to hear it. Two things are going to happen real quick. Those who hear, who have not tasted physical death, are going to be changed into their heavenly body. And the dead in Christ shall rise, and they will receive their heavenly body. 
But what about until then? Until then, I don't know what to tell you. I know that he says to be absent by his, to be present with the Lord. Also know when Jesus told the story, now Jesus had not yet died on the cross, when Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus was in the company of Abraham. And the rich man lifted his, whole, lifted his eyes up in hell. And I believe that's Jesus helping us understand. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I don't know what that body looks like, but it says here that we're all going to inherit these heavenly bodies that we're going to have for eternity together at the same time. If you want to go to heaven, you're going to have to change your body just like I'm going to have to change mine. It's because of this that we don't sorrow like other people do. For two reasons. First off, we don't sorrow like other people do simply because we know that there's going to be a reunion. For all those who are in Christ, we will be together in heaven for eternity. I, I miss David. I, I would love for him to be here now. I miss my mom. I miss Brother Billy. I saw a picture. Did you see your dad was in one of those pictures yesterday? And I saw him with the crazy hat day. Right? Chris was cookie monster. That was hilarious. I was a minion. Your mom made it for me. That was cool. We miss those folks, and we'd love to have them here. But listen, we don't mourn as others do. Yes, we miss them, and our heart will long for them. But I know that this separation is just for a short time because we're only here for a short time. And so I know that we're going to be together again. So we don't sorrow like others do because we know that, you know, it's not goodbye, Dave. It's I'll catch you in a little while. But the other reason we don't sorrow as others do because we understand death. We understand that it must happen. We are either going to go by the grave or by the upward call of Christ if we're alive when he comes. Either way, we're getting rid of this old body. We're going to get a new one, which I'm glad, by the way. I'm glad. You ever had an old car and then you got a new car? You drive a new car, it's different too, don't you? New car, got that new car smell. Your old car, listen, I don't know about you, but once a vehicle gets old, if you back into something, oh, well, I backed into something, oh, well, I hit a tree with it, you know. Get a couple scratches on it after that, you're like, oh, ain't no sense in waxing it, it's already two different colors, right? And you ever had those multicolor cars? Do you realize how many colors primer comes in these days? Dag on. I don't know what it is, but I had cars that had multicolor primer. I'm like, I couldn't even get that right. Right? I at least should have painted all the same color primer. Right? But, but once a vehicle gets old, you got a bunch of scratches and dents on it. After a while, you just don't even That's what I feel like my body is. At this point, I didn't mess it up so bad. It's like, I'm looking forward to my glorified one. Aren't you? And so I look at it and realize, listen, I, I, I don't want the Lord to take me now. I feel like I still got things to do, but my, I belong to him. I turn my life over to him and I call him Lord. My life belongs to him. And those who live in Christ understand this, that it's not our call to make. And so we don't run around getting mad at God because he took our loved ones. We just believe in faith, knowing that there was a reason for it. And now I must continue on holding them in my heart in my memory bank, but still yet must do until God says it's my time to go. It's because of our understanding of this process that we don't sorrow like others do. In Corinthians 15, let's go back to verses 42 through 48. He says this, So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown in is perishable and what is raised is imperishable it is sown in dishonor and raised in glory it is sown in weakness and raised in power it is sown a natural body and is raised a spiritual body if there is a natural body there is also a spiritual body thus it is written the first man adam became a living being and adam became a life-giving spirit but it is not the spiritual that is first but the natural and then the spiritual the first man was from the earth, a man of the dust, the second man from heaven. And so it says, listen, we have Adam, the beginning of man. But of those of spiritual being, we have Christ. 
You understand that this? So we have, we have mortal man through which sin came to the world, right? In the garden. And then we have Christ who came, who gave us eternal life through his sacrifice. The second, spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of the dust. The second man from heaven, Jesus. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. So listen, incorruption triumphs over corruption. Glory triumphs over dishonor. Power triumphs over weakness. Spiritual triumphs over natural. You and I are living in this natural body, but we have an eternal soul that is within us. But those of us who have accepted Christ now have the Holy Spirit living within us, and we are guaranteed, amen, a place in heaven because we're covered by the blood of Jesus. So even though this body is corrupt, listen, I will inherit one that's incorruptible. Even though this body is dishonorable at times, I will get glory in its place. Listen, even though this body is weak, God gives us power that we may be able to endure and listen even though this natural body is withering away i am promised a spiritual body that i'll have one day that will be absolutely perfect listen it's only through christ that this happens only through christ can you take that which is corrupt and reap incorruption in its place it is only through christ that we can take dishonor and receive glory in its place. It's only through Christ where we in our weakness can still live with power. Amen. Because of the Holy Spirit that is within us. It's only through Christ that this natural mortal man may be able to shed off that which is weak and dishonorable. And receive a spiritual body in its place. Those who know Christ... We realize, I mean, this is all temporary. And once we get that, once we fix our eyes on eternity and live with eternity in view, everything changes. Everything changes because I realize that, you know what? This is for a time, a short time. The spiritual body I will receive and where I will live for eternity is going to be for an eternity and forever. So listen, if I want to concentrate on building a life, I want to build a life and lay up treasures in heaven where I'll get to enjoy them forever and forever instead of trying to build a short-lived life here with toys that will rust and fall apart or thieves come and steal. Why? Because, listen, we're only here for a little while. We receive an incorrupt, glorified, powerful body. That which is spiritual. And Paul's second letter to Corinth, he describes it a little differently. He describes the longing to shed this corrupt temporary dwelling. If you ever listen to, you know, it's interesting. When people are young, they sit around and they're young and they're spry and they're all that. The older I get, do you realize the older we get, the more we talk about how good heaven's going to be? Right? Because the, the, and listen, uh, let's read why. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, it says this. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed... We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent, a tent is a temporary dwelling. You get that, right? I got an earthly teepee. I look more like a wigwam, right? Went to the doctor one time, told him I had a dream. That I was a wigwam and a teepee. Doctor says, I know exactly what's wrong with you. He said, what's that? He said, you're too tense. That was good. No, it wasn't. It was terrible. But look at this. For in this tent, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Now, let's, let's, let's unfold this. 
I have a temporary dwelling here. It's temporary. And I know that sooner or later this body is going to, it's going to yield up my spirit. I, I'm not going to live forever. Sooner or later this body is going to wither away. But I don't have to worry about where my soul is going to be. I don't have to worry about eternal torment. Why? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. And how do I know that he did it for me? It says because he gave me his spirit as a guarantee. I know that the Holy Spirit is within me because he talks to me. He speaks to me. He's not audible. I've never heard God just say, hey, Huff. If he did, well, I'd probably give up the ghost right there. You know, if God, hey, Huff, I'd be like, I, I, gone. Did you hear about Huff? He just dropped over. I heard, listen, that's probably what's going to happen. It was, you'd be the same too. I like these people. I'll tell you what, when I see God, I'm going to have a few things to ask him. No, you're not. Anybody who's ever in the Bible's ever seen him has fallen in terror, right? Or bow down and put their face on the ground. Get as low as you can get because that's what we're going to feel in the presence of God. But the Holy Spirit does speak to me and guides me. And for those who know Christ, you know what I'm talking about, right? Holy Spirit lets us know when we're out of step, tells us, you know, Huff, you know, that's not right. Guides me, lets me know, gives me peace over things. Even when I'm going through troubled times, when I give it to the Lord, I feel his inner peace. I know and I'm guaranteed. Listen, I don't have to sit around and wonder if God loves me. I do. And why? Because you know what? I have his guarantee because I know the Holy Spirit is dwelling within me and I can feel his presence. And listen, the Holy Spirit only indwells those who are truly in Christ. Those who are not in Christ do not have that peace and do not have that inner voice that God gives us through His Spirit. But Paul said, in this tent we groan. What does that mean? It says we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Why? Because life continues to get tougher as we age. I don't know about you, but I can't jump as high as I used to. I can't run it. Well, I never could run fast, but anyway. I just can't do the things, uh, you know, I just can't do the things I used to do. Brother Sean told me, asked me yesterday, he says, you ready for golf yet? Now, we're going to look good on a golf course. We've got to take Chris with us. One got a bad hip, one got a bad knee, and I can't even move my neck, right? So I was like, that is going to be good to watch us all go, right? All right, it's like, are you, tell me where this ball goes. I ain't going to be able to move my fast. Tell me where it goes. Right? That's what's going to happen. And, and Chris is going to, he's going to take a tee shot, and he's going to be like this, you know, right? But Sean going to be hobbling on his one knee, like, man, I, we'll be lucky to make it through nine holes. And then we'll be taking Tylenol, arthritis, and everything else. You got any more, man? You got any more? Hey, I need a caddy. Somebody to watch where it goes. I can't tell you where it goes. Well, first off, I can tell you if there's water, I know exactly where my ball's going. It could be a creek this way. I'll hit it. Thanks, Sean. Amen. I get an amen on that one. Amen. I've seen him play. I'm terrible. <laughs> This dude hit a pool. I'll just be honest. We was on hole number 9, 10, 11, 12 at Locust Hill. Houses way. I ain't ever seen anybody hit a house up there. Till Arnold, I mean Sean. He hits a driver and I'm like, there's guys up there building a deck on a house. I'm like, four. It landed in the guy's pool. I guarantee you nobody else has ever done that. That guy's probably like, how in the world did a golf ball end up in my pool? Nobody's ever hit it that far. He did. Man, we get through nine holes. We break out the bottle of Tylenol arthritis. Here, man, give me some. You got some? How many you got, man? Then we, we better stay here for a while at the clubhouse and let this arthritis medicine take effect. And then we'll go out and try to play another few holes. Then we get these young whippersnappers, play through, play through. Or, well, y'all can't find your ball? No, we're just resting. <laughs> Wrapping ace bandages around. Listen, in this tent we groan. You ever been with Chris when his hip is hurt? Oh, man. 
Uh, uh. I'd be on the couch over there. I was like, oh, last night. Oh, man, man. That, we groan. We groan for a couple reasons. First off, aging is terrible. Can you imagine the way Paul's body felt? Paul received 39 stripes more than once. I forget exactly how many times. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned and left for dead. I bet you that broke a few bones. He said that he had this you know, thorn in his flesh. A lot of people think that may have been some kind of physical ailment that he had, that he asked God to remove, and God says, my grace is sufficient. In other words, you're going to have to live with it. Because sometimes physical ailments is what keeps us close to Jesus. But I can tell you the older I get, the more I groan. Longing, longing for the time that I'll be with Jesus. I'll be with him for eternity in a glorified body that does not have pain. But pain has a purpose, folks. I want to make sure we understand that. Pain has a purpose. You realize that pain in your body sometimes is, is, is a signal for your body's to tell you to do something different or make a change. And it's sometimes pain that's just a reminder that I need Jesus. Some of the pain we have as we get older, bodies are broke up. Some of that pain we just have to learn to live with, don't we, guys? Some of that we're just getting used to at this point. We do what we can. But it's a stark reminder that I need, I need Jesus. Because I had to pray to him this morning, God, you know how I feel. You know what's going on in my body. I'm just going to trust you. And we groan. We also groan because we see the world waxing worse and worse. And it hurts us sometimes to watch the world. We watch the world that even when we give them the truth, we watch them reject the truth, even laugh at us and say that we're living in a fairy tale. And I want to tell you this, I know that in the end they will know that we didn't give them a fairy tale, that we were handing them the truth. But I don't take any refuge in that because I... I just don't think for a minute we'll be on the other side of judgment saying, I told you so. Especially if we have the heart of Christ in which we love our neighbor as ourselves. It's going to be a heartbreaking, heartbreaking day when those who don't know Jesus are cast into outer darkness and into the lake of fire going to be an awful, awful event. I love the writer of the song, You Never Mentioned Me, Him to Me. And I thought about how many will be saying that on that day. How come you didn't tell me about him? I don't want that to be me, and I don't want that to be you either. I don't want any of our loved ones to cry out to us, how come you never mentioned him to me? It is our job to live in such a way that our life points them to Christ. But I'm going to tell you, as this world gets worse and worse, as our bodies age, we weren't made for this. We weren't made to, to handle death. Realize that when God made Adam and Eve, he made them perfect, and they were in the garden, and everything was beautiful. And they could eat from every tree except for one, which was the knowledge of good and evil. But they were able to eat from the tree of life as much as they wanted. Brother Kevin talked about this not too long ago, a few weeks ago. Because in Revelations, guess what we get to do when we're in heaven? We get to now eat of that tree. But after Adam and Eve sinned, God drove them from the garden. He said, lest, lest they eat from the tree of life and live forever. These bodies decay you know we start dying the day we're born did you know that your body is in a constant state skin cells dying our body's just aging and the aging process is 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 not pretty there are always those few people that age really well i'm not going to be one of them i already look older than i am People, you ever had somebody tell you, how old are you, huh, 48? 48! 
And I'm like, why do I look young for 48? And they won't even answer me. They're like, no, no, I was just wondering. I'm like, tell me the truth. I look older than that, don't I? Well, just tell me. Don't lie. You asked me because you thought I was older. Well, then they'll try to get, well, you know, you, you know, you know so much about heat and air conditioning. We thought maybe you've been in business a little longer than you have. I'm like, nuh-uh. <laughs> nuh-uh. With this white beard, I look like Moses' kid brother. I know it. But do you see that our body's just grown? Because our bodies long to be with our Creator. We long for the day that we'll be able to be with Him for eternity and never have to worry about the things that trouble us in this world today. We never have to worry about the physical pain, the emotional pain of this world. We won't have to worry about any of that. Because in Revelations it said He'll wipe every tear from our eye. And we'll get to eat of that tree of life forever. Holy Spirit that is within us is so that we may feel confident today of the guarantee of the life that God has promised us in Christ. Listen, our confidence in our resurrection is through Christ and His. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's go back there, and I'm almost done. Our confidence of our resurrection is because Christ in His resurrection. Because we know absolutely without a doubt that Christ was raised from the dead. And so we live with no doubt. We live with no doubt in our hearts because Christ was raised, that we also will be raised because we know God has the power to do it. He did it in His Son. In 1 Corinthians 15, back in verse 16. Through 22, it says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of people most to be pitied. Because we, as we age, are already groaning and longing for the time that we'll be with God. And if the, only, if the only hope we have is in this life, then I don't know about you, but I messed mine up pretty good along the way a few times and certainly have done some things I wish I hadn't done and I have to live with the remnants of that. Yes, listen, I am free from the bondage of sin when I stand before judgment, but listen, it doesn't mean that sin doesn't have its consequences and doesn't mean you're not going to have to live with these things down here. But I will not pay with my life because Christ will cover me. But if the only hope I have is that God's going to do something good for me here. Listen, that's no hope. It says we are people the most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as a man came, by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For all in Adam, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Listen, it's when we transform this corrupt, perishable body to the glorified, imperishable body that our victory in Christ is complete. We were talking a few weeks ago, and, and, and Brother Dave, we, we was talking, I forget what I had said, um, but and then Brother Dave spoke up and said, man, but you know, I do want to remind us that we, we live in victory. Victory is ours. There used to be an old song, victory is mine, victory is mine. Listen, we do have victory. We need to live like we have. Because sometimes we focus on the groaning part, right? We groan and long for a better time. But listen, we don't need to groan in such a way that has no hope. That sounds like, you ever just met, you know, remember the Muppets had them two old guys? You know what I'm talking about? The Muppets, them two old mean fellas that was always just complaining about everything. We don't need to be like it because we do have victory. 
Yes, there may be some groaning along the way and there may be some pain. There may be things that we have to deal with. But listen, we understand today that our hope is not in this life. Because if it is, he said, we may be most to be pitied. But realize today that we have victory. And that's what he really outlines in chapter 15, verses 54 through 55. Look what it says. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? And oh, death, where is your thing. Listen, we have victory over death, hell, and the grave through Jesus Christ. And we need to live like we have the victory. Amen. Times are going to be tough here. The Bible says that this life will include suffering. We will have to bear uh, the cross that God has given us to bear. And we're going to have to walk through it. And we're going to have people that are going to come after us and be persecuted on every hand. And it's going to continue to get worse. Listen, persecution, we're already starting to see it finally. I say finally in this country. We're already starting to see churches starting to be the target. Listen, it's going to continue and it's going to get worse. I don't care who you vote for. Listen, it's going to happen because the scripture says it's going to happen, but we need to live with victory today. Amen. Because God says for me not to be scared of those who can take this body, but instead fear and respect the one who could take my soul. Amen. Death is swallowed up in victory. You see, Brother Dave's body had to give up his soul. It was time for him to depart. But he's given eternal life, and he is victorious. Why? You know why? Because he persevered, and he made it to the end. Paul said, told Timothy as he wrote that last letter to him that, you know, I have, I have finished my race, I have kept the faith, and a crown of righteousness awaits me. He has run his course. Listen, we're in this race of life and we are to persevere. It's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be rainbows and unicorns. But listen, God has called us to persevere. Why? Because death will take this body. This body is going to be shed off one way or another. I've, we've already seen that in the scriptures. We kind of started there, right? This body is going to have to give up. But listen, I'm going to receive a, a, a spiritual body that is going to be able to then withstand and be in God's presence for eternity. Listen, I have victory, amen? And I can claim victory today because I know that the grave cannot hold me, that he will raise me and I'll be with him for eternity, amen? He said this in verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. And I want you to think about that. The sting of death is sin. Sin is what caused death to enter the world. The sting of death is that fatal blow that sin caused. Do, you ever thought about this? Now, I may, be, I may be getting a little weird in my old age or a lot weird. But you know, until, I, until Adam and Eve sinned, there was no death. And they were able to eat of any of the trees. If they hadn't sinned, we'd be veterinarians. I mean, vegetarians. I mean, think about it. I don't look like a vegetarian, do I? I tried it. It was the worst hour of my life. It was awful. No, actually, we did try it. It wasn't too bad. But realize there had been no death until sin. Sin brought death. Because until then, they could eat from the tree of life. There were no animals killed. The first death we see, listen, Adam and Eve died a spiritual death. That's what God was referring to. Because remember, remember Satan, he didn't really mean that, that you're going to die. Then after they ate it, you know, they're still alive. No, they lost something very precious that day. And it was then that God then made them clothing out of animal skins. Because of their sin, something had to lose its life. So now we see death enter. And we know that death is the result of sin. So the sting of death is sin. What does that mean? Death was able to enter because of sin. Death is the result of sin. Because the Bible says the wages of sin are death. So what brings death? Sin. 
It's because of sin that we all now have bodies that will age and eventually die. Because until there was sin, there was no death. But now because of sin, we now have these corrupt bodies. These imperfect bodies that are corrupt and that will eventually go back to the dust. Because of sin. Sin is what brought on death. And it says the power of sin is the law. Why? It's because the law is what identified sin. We don't know sin, what sin is without the laws of God to tell us what sin is. The law is what identified it. Like if you get on the Autobahn over in Europe, you can go as fast as you want because there's no speed limit sign. Not the same thing on 51. I've tried. Right? There's a speed limit, and the speed limit identifies. And so when a cop gives you a ticket, he doesn't say uh, just speeding. He tells you how many mile an hour you're over, what the limit was. So the law identifies the sin. Because without the law, if there wasn't a speed limit on the road, then there would be no breaking the speed limit. There would be no sin. But the law identifies it, but the law could not cure it. Jesus came and gave himself as a sacrifice because the only thing the law could do was identify it. Matter of fact, what's our number one answer when they said, did you realize you were speeding? I didn't know what speed limit was. I didn't see the sign. I wonder how many people have taken pictures of trees in front of the signs to try to act like At my angle, my truck with the tires I have on it now, it puts my eyes at this angle, so therefore I was not able to see. Right? I didn't see the sign. I didn't know. By the way, I tried that with a judge once. I never, it was a female judge in Leesburg. I'll never forget it, over in Loudoun County. I was busted for going four mile an hour. And there were some other issues, and I said, well, I didn't know. She says, young man, I'm going to give you an understanding of something today that you need to carry with you. What's that? Ignorance is no excuse for the law. You may not have known, but the law's there. You want to know the law, it's written. You can check it out. But if you're too lazy to read it, it doesn't excuse you from it. If that was the case, nobody would ever look at the law. Ignorance is no excuse for it. Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 10 says, What then shall we say? The law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but then the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved it death to me. Once he started looking at his life and he compared it to the law, he then realized that he stood guilty. Until then, he looked as if he wasn't. He lived life as he, as is he wasn't guilty. But then when he saw the law and read the law, then he realized that he stood guilty. And it says, then I die, because then I realized that I am lost and undone, and I have broken God's holy laws. And what is the answer for breaking God's holy laws? Death. Do you get it? Death. But verse 57, oh, that's the keeper verse there, isn't it? That's the Mac Daddy. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When I look at God's holy law, I can live footloose and fancy free and think that everything's absolutely okay, but once I see the law, I realized that I had broken it. Now listen, I'm still a lawbreaker. I just didn't know it. And that's the problem we have today. That's the problem we have with the American gospel as it's being delivered is, listen, no one's going to value the blood of Christ until they see themselves as standing 
and being measured against God's righteousness and realize that they have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. You see, you can't just say, hey, Sal, um, would you like a better life? Would you like to be able to just go to heaven? I mean, Jesus will help you along the way, and he'll, he'll provide for you when you need and all that stuff. You mean, well, yeah, I'll take some of that. Give me two. But then you just go on and live your life. It's not about making him Lord. It's just, I'll just accept this Christ who makes life better. By the way, you want to... <laughs> There's a, a video of Ravi Zacharias, it's about a minute and 17 seconds long, where he addresses the title of the book, and he read it, by the way, Your Best Life Now. Just what, minute and 17 seconds of pure Ravi. Our best life isn't now. Paul said we groan, right? We groan, waiting for the day where we'll be out of this world of darkness be in the light for eternity because Revelation chapter 22 says that he is the light there's no need for the sun or the moon there he'll be the light of the city now look at the law so listen if someone's going to come to understand the saving grace of Jesus Christ they have to first acknowledge and realize they need saving you just tell someone he'll make your life better well okay that just sounds like we're going to come here and you know do a little tuck and nip here and you know and and a little liposuction there and all that other stuff and the things are just going to be beautiful and so yeah i'll take some of that and then they'll just go and live their life well you know i'm a believer that's why Jesus said, and I'd say it over and over again, and I know you get tired of hearing it, but Jesus said there'll be many in that day to say, hey, we, we belong to you. And he's like, no, you never, you've never been a part of me. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Jesus also said, to listen, if you're going to have a part of me, then you need to care for those. You need to care for the widows and the orphans and feed the hungry and clothe the naked. You need to do these things. Jesus didn't come just to brush your life up and make things a little better. He came because when we measure ourselves against the righteousness of God, we fail miserably. Fail. And unless we're covered by the blood of Christ, we'll stand before him guilty and cast in the hell. And so then we get to verse 58 that we started with. Therefore... So what, what does all that mean? He said, listen, since we realize this life is limited, since we understand and realize that, you know, we're going to have to take this, you know, shed this corrupt body, but we'll receive an incorrupt one in its place, that we'll shed this dishonor, we'll receive glory. When I truly understand what's going to happen when this life is over, when I realize that, that death is a natural occurrence, but it's not going to hold me down, right? The loved ones that have gone on before us, we will be reunited with them. The absent from the body's presence, Lord, they're in his presence right now. And listen, and if we die, we'll go to be in his presence too. But if we remain here when Christ comes back and we're still living, then we're still all going to be together because the dead in Christ are going to rise. And then those that remain will all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And there we will live with him for eternity seeing how that's how it works he says therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast immovable and always bounding in the work of the lord knowing that the lord that in the lord your labor is not in vain so listen while my heart hurts because i've lost someone i care about even though my heart hurts and and and, and losing someone that was such a vital part of what we do here I still realize that that's a part of the plan. And so I know that my brother is in a better place and I know that he's in God's presence and I know that I'll be with him again. So therefore, since I understand that, and since I understand that if I'm going to be in heaven, then I'm going to have to take off this body as well. Since I understand that, I need to continue and be steadfast. 
Steadfast means to, be re, to, to have a resolve, to be firmly established. It says to be immovable means incapable of being moved and not to be shaken. Abundant in the work of the Lord, knowing that my work is not in vain. That means 100% committed through faith that God is able to complete what he has started in us. And so today, while our hearts are broken, we realize today that, listen, our faith should not be shaken. We should not look and say, now what do we do? I guess we're just going to stop. No, we continue in the work of the Lord with a resolve that I'm going to continue to do what God has called us to do. I'm not going to be shaken, and I'm going to continue to be abundant in the work of the Lord. And I leave you with Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. My salvation is complete. And I leave this world. Until then, I have the promise of salvation. I have the promise of escaping eternal punishment. But my salvation will not be complete until I'm in his presence. And yours will be the same. What do we do? We live in victory. My heart hurts, but my soul lives in victory. Thankful that my brother has received his victory. Thankful that he's received his crown. And I'll live likewise so that we'll all be together again. And boy, ain't that going to be a day. Oh, it's going to be a day. I, I said, I can't wait to see Brother Billy running over to say hi. Complete. My mom won't be a frail bag of bones no more. Brother Dave will have his glorified. But listen to all you talking about a time. We're going to have a time. Therefore, knowing that we have victory, knowing that our salvation complete when we go the same way, then let us just continue to work. Be unmovable and resolve to continue until God calls us home. Would you stand?